Welcome to the One Step Above podcast. I'm your host, Mike McKnight. Today's episode is part two of my discussion with Jeff Browning and Zach Bitter. Uh, just a reminder, part one was released a couple of weeks ago, so this is going to conclude our fat adaptation discussion. A lot of good information, so sit back and enjoy the show. Okay, Killian, say this is the One Step Above one podcast. The One Step Above the podcast. Say hey, welcome to the show. We appreciate you listening. Yeah. <laughs> welcome to the One Step Above podcast, everybody. One of the things that a lot of people hear out there um, is that low carb, high fat diets are bad long term. So I was wanting to know what your guys' thoughts were on those claims, and I'll let either of you decide who wants to go first. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just fear-mongering. <laughs> 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 uh, but to be, to be serious, it's just yeah. the narrative, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like most, like, here's the thing that I think most people can kind of take away in, I guess, a, a bit of like an abbreviation is, most diets aren't going to be quote unquote harmful in the way that we're thinking like, Oh, this person's going to die 20, 30 years earlier than they would have or something ridiculous like that. If they eat such and such diet, really it's like, a, are you getting the nutrients you need to survive? Uh, Cause you're going to need that. But then beyond that, if you're within your like caloric maintenance or caloric deficit, you're not going to probably like, run into the majority of issues that that we see humans run into in the early stages of life and then it's like you, you know then we're then we're talking about well what did this diet do to get you an extra two or three years on the back end or something like that and then it's like you know at that point you need to also start looking at quality of life within the time frame that you are alive versus just how many years can i make it as well um i actually just did a podcast with dr eric westman who's been one of the early pioneers with kind of a low carb approach and ketogenic approach. He's worked a lot with type two diabetics. Um, and you know, he, he started like observing it in clinics 30 years ago. There's people who've been doing it for 20, 30 plus years and, uh, they're, they're much healthier than when they started it. You know, is it for everyone? Probably not. I don't think anyone dies for anyone. I think like, I said before, like you want to find something that can keep you at a healthy weight and a healthy body composition. And that's going to take care of like a, the majority of issues. How do you feel on it? Like, you know, if we described kind of our introduction to a low carbohydrate, a lot of that was just based on like not feeling great on the previous version of whatever it was we were doing. So uh, I think like if you, if you kind of check those two boxes, you're going to go most of the way with that. So yeah, I don't think, I don't, I, I, don't, I think there's a lot of kind of back and forth about you know, diets being good and bad for, and a lot of it's just marketing posturing to try to get a bigger share of that pie, so to speak. Um, Sugar-free pie in our case, I guess, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. It's, yeah, or you research all. Yeah. <laughs> Something that doesn't mess with your insulin. You're right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I like that. That's a good answer just to stick with. <laughs> do you have okay, anything you want to add? My side, uh, do you want me to go ahead? Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask if there's anything you wanted to add to that. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that uh, from a health perspective, I got one word, anthropology. Uh, we're hunter-gatherers by, by, you know, genetically, DNA, like our, our DNA print is 
not that far removed from being a hunter gatherer. It's a, it's a, you know, you know, from a, from a, a, a evolutionary standpoint, it's a, you know, a blink of an eye, right? So I always keep coming back to that. We ate seasonally for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. That means that we went into a ketogenic state in the winter, spring, early summer. So for at least in most latitudes, seven to 10 months a year, we were eating mainly animal fats and protein, okay? And, and, we, and, and every hunter-gatherer you know, culture revered fat. They did not waste the animal, it was nose to tail. So you used everything, the marrow, the bone, the organ meat, everything. And that's one thing I would say on this is get used to eating nose to tail if you're gonna do something like this. Like embrace that kind of eating, eating habit. And, and the other is then for part of the year, we had a, a safety mechanism when things were ripe that we chowed down on carbohydrates and we put on weight before winter. And so there is a benefit to eating carbohydrates in phases, but what has happened as a, as a, as a, a Western society, we have, everything's convenient now and everything's out of, you know, we can get mangoes in January in Montana. So like you, I shouldn't be eating mangoes in January in Montana, right? So, you know, so like, I like to think of like, that's your macro system, right? The hunter gather system. And then there's the micro system of being an athlete and looking at your training load each week and eating according to that kind of seasonal eating idea, the concept of it. So how do you mimic in a technological age and, and a convenient age of like, I can go get mangoes in January, like when it's one degree outside, like how, how do we manage that? And, and that means mirroring a hunter-gatherer diet as much as you can depending on workload and depending on your training load as an athlete. So that's kind of how I like to look at it. I also like to look at it from a social perspective and that is 80, 20 or 90, 10 rule. And that is 80 to 90% of the time you're on the straight and narrow eating this way or eat if you want to do it this way and you eat well. And then the other, you, that leaves, you know, two to four meals a week to like, be like, you know what, I'm at a friend's house or I'm going out with friends to dinner. And, and I can lay, loosen the reins a little bit and you're going to be fine, right? Because most of the time your insulin's stable, your blood sugar's stable, because that's the benefit of this diet, or if you want to call it a diet, lifestyle, whatever you want to call it, is that we're keeping our insulin stable like our ancestors for most of the time and the and majority of the year. And, and, you know, when we lay it out over the year, whether it's a micro as a training as an athlete or macro as a hunter-gatherer, it doesn't matter the point is, is they had stable insulin for most of the year and they had this metabolic flexibility that depending on what kind of food was around, that they could burn glucose or they could burn fatty acids. You know, it, it doesn't, or they can convert protein with, through gluconeogenesis to glucose, right? So they can turn protein into glucose. So there's all these metabolic flexibilities we have as, as humans and we need to understand where we come from. And, and I think if we understand that, then it's easy to understand why this is not like, like, Zach said, it, you know, uh, it, or I said, it's a narrative, you know, it's like trying to scare us into a certain way of eating. And I'm sorry, man, but it, the way we've been eating hasn't been working. You know, the figure that just came out like a year ago or two years ago, whatever it was, is like 80, what is it, 80 some percent of people are metabolically compromised in the United States. What's that? It's 88, I think 88% yeah, of some high. sort of 
they're taking some sort of medication to deal with like a metabolic dysfunction or something like that, I think is. Which can be managed right. with diet, right? Mm -hmm. And so just by getting your insulin stable again, that you just need to get your insulin stable again and, and, and have a Nutribor diet, right? Some kind of nutrient rich food, not junk calories that are just going to convert to glucose in the bloodstream, right? So, it, you know, at the end of the day, no, it's not unhealthy. I think you can get, I think there is some cautions that can be thrown out there to the audience. And that is, you, like we said, what was mentioned earlier, you, you can be carb phobic on this if you start kind of playing with it and to get, yeah, get caught. Yeah. Right. And, and everyone's had it. I had it too at the beginning. And, and then you at some point you realize, Oh wait, there is a benefit to some carbs. Um, you know, but you know, maybe not a chocolate chip cookie. Um, unless it's paleo, you know, that doesn't mess with <laughs> insulin, right? We keep coming back to insulin. I'm going to keep be beating that into everyone's head. Like you really want stable blood sugar, which keeps your pancreas from keep kicking out insulin to get your blood sugar back down. You want to keep relatively stable throughout the day. Um, and I think that's an important piece to understand. And that's why, in my opinion, this lifestyle works so well for like not only body composition, which I'm glad you brought that up, Zach. I think that's an important piece is like, that's a good, you know, health marker. Are you of a good weight, right? A healthy weight. And, and I think keeping that within a certain bounds, it's easy to do on this. Um, I think it also helps you to restrict calories at times because you're more conscious of what you're putting in your mouth, um, which is, is, you know, half the battle is just not eating all the time, you know? Um, one last thing I would say that's really helps me. And I know that this has helped, uh, this has helped Mike when I've coached him on this and that is food timing, giving yourself three to five hour window between you know, so don't, no, don't snack, meaning don't eat inside of three hours, but don't go more than five hours without eating. So every three to five hours, have some food and have a meal and then let that burn and then let that sit and digest because there's something called migrating motor complex that happens after about two to three hours of food digestion. You haven't put any more food into digestion and that your body starts working, your intestines start working, GI tracts start working on some contractions to clean out the intestinal tract. So it cleans out bad bacteria. And so it's a, has a, it's a cleaning mechanism. And people on, that are listening can look it up, Migrating Motor Complex, MMC. And they can go kind of research that. I think um, Colorado State did a study on it. Um, so that can give you something to Google. Uh, and, and so it's really good information because then it, it, for me, it helps me like go, mm, I, I really, you know, habit-wise, I want to go snack. But, oh, I should let my migrating motor complex work before I put more food into digestion. So I think that can be little rules around that and knowing, having knowledge around it, why it works and, and what it's doing. I'm, I'm letting my, you know, I'm letting some cleansing happen at the moment by not snacking and then waiting to have my meal. So I think there's some good rules around that too. And, and, and because you're burning a higher rate of fat, it's easier to go without a meal or go longer without a meal. So that's another cautionary once you get fat, fat adapted that you, you can go and skip a meal and not notice. And, and that can not be good if you're training because you need calories in there to repair. So one thing okay. I want to add to that, <clears throat> ever since Jeff started having me eat this way, um, like it really, you realize how much snacking is just a habit because, you know, I work from home right now. So I'll have my breakfast at nine or something like that. I'll start working. I'll get in the groove. And I'll look at the the time and it's like one or two o'clock and like, 
like I didn't feel hungry during that window. Like I didn't need to go snack. It's when you're just sitting there bored and conscious and like, oh, I should go snap because I have nothing else to do. So it's really a good system and you know, there's a lot of benefits to it and it really makes sense. Um, but the thing I wanted to add to, to what you guys have already said about the original question on the, the criticisms towards the longevity of the diet or the lifestyle. Um, the only thing I want to say, the, the, the little piece of like, awareness that I've noticed is look at Jeff Browning. <laughs> He's, uh, you're 50 now, right, Jeff? I am. Almost. 50 this year. I turn, I'm 49. I turned 50 in August. 50 this year, and you're taking top 10 at Western Stage. You're winning races. I think if you go to your ultra sign-up, you can pinpoint where you started eating this way because your race results started changing and being a lot more consistent, if I, if I remember right. Like yeah, I mean, I was able to handle a lot more, a lot more racing yeah. after, after this shift than before. I was thinking about retiring prior to changing. Um, my wife can attest to this one and back me up, but I, I actually told her I'm not sure how much longer I can do this at this level, um, trying to race. And, uh, um, and I had a good resume, you know, like, obviously I had a good resume before as a high carb athlete, but, but it, like I said before, it took, it took a toll on me. So um, and it doesn't anymore. Like I, I feel great. I feel younger. I feel like I bounce back quick. Um, I feel stronger than ever. So, uh, you know, I just kind of trying to keep it going, <laughs> trying to keep it going. Nice. Um, Zach brought up a point that I, that brings me to my next question. Um, you talked about Zach, how there's not one diet that fits all. Um, and I, I believe all of us have said this when we talk to people that we're not like out there, like standing on a corner preaching high carb, low fat and telling everybody to do it like a bunch of missionaries. Um, but I was curious to know your guys' thoughts. Um, if like in this weird world, if everybody adopted this style of eating, do you think that like, even if they're doing good on high carb approach, even if they're doing good on vegan approach, do you think that there is some kind of benefit that everybody could experience if they were to eat this way? Um, yeah, I think maybe the way to look at this is even if you take us three, which I would call success stories within a low carb like approach, there are still pluses and minuses that we're always kind of like working with within that. And ultimately you're trying, I mean, any diet's going to have that, right? There's no diet that's going to present a person with all pluses, they're just like, you know, you know, 100% as good as they could ever be. So the, the way I like to look at it is you're trying to find the diet for you and your lifestyle that's going to give you the most pluses and the least amount of minuses. And that could just be very different from one person to the next. So like, you know, someone who is, let's say they're a, they're a strict vegan high carb person and they really love that way of life and they're thriving on it. And then you switch them to a kind of an animal-based nutrition, uh, low to no carbohydrate approach. They may find that even though there are some pluses within that switch, the minuses outweigh the pluses relative to what they did in their high carbohydrate vegan approach. So ultimately this is where I really like to kind of put my former teacher hat back on and just say, when I was working with students, the best way to get a student to kind of fight back with you or not want to do what it is they're supposed to be doing is to give them one authoritative option. <laughs> the best way to get them to get curious, get excited about something is give them 
a problem to solve by giving them options and letting them choose one and then reflect on how that went and decide if they want to go with a different option later on or try a different one and really ignite that curiosity and that thought process. So I think when it comes to this type of stuff, a lot of times, like, I don't think we give people enough credit in terms of how curious and intuitive they will be if they're given the opportunity to pick from options versus being told, this is what you have to do. If you don't do this, it's going to come at the expense of your health. It's going to come at the expense of your social life. It's going to come, you know, the list goes on and on. So I think like, that's the way I like to approach it. Um, so yeah, I guess to answer your, your question, I think there would be people who found out, wow, I do way better on this way of life. I'm glad I took that opportunity to, to check it out and they would thrive. And there'd be people who's like felt the same and there'd be people who felt worse. I think you'd get a pretty mixed bag. Yeah, yeah. agreed. I mean, I think, I think it can work if, if you're willing to put the time in, into it, but I also think there's not one, one specific you know, way to eat for anyone. And we're all a little differently. We all come from different cultural backgrounds, you know, you know, depending on where our ancestors are from. And like, you know, there's so many factors and uniqueness to, to people and their metabolic systems. Um, and if they're compromised a little bit, you know, this, this, this is definitely something you'd want to look into if you have a little bit of uh, a metabolic com compromised state. So, I would say that, that, that we've seen some good, uh, good success stories come out of people with managing metabolic issues without having to go on medication uh, with this way of eating. So there has to be something positive about it if we're seeing that. But, uh, but overall, you know, you've got to like find what works for you in your lifestyle. And I agree with exact said it dead on, pos more positives in the positive column than negatives in the negative column. And I think I'll leave it at that. You know, one other interesting, Mike, I'll quick add is just as Jeff reminded me of it. I, there's a guy, Dr. Bill Schindler, and uh, he works out of the University of Washington. He's been like, he's lived such a cool life because he's, I mean, he's a professor there, but he's gone on a bunch of different like, exper like experiences, I guess, with uh, his job where he's essentially like joining tribes around the world. And he hung out with some tribes in Africa who were eating primarily an animal-based diet. And he hung out with some tribes in South America that were eating like a diet that was the majority potatoes that they would ferment in these huge pits. So a very high carbohydrate, vegetable-based diet. Both the tribes he said were the picture of health. And it's like, you know, like you said, sometimes like you have generations and generations of eating away and your body kind of does learn to use that fuel source and what, what is available uh, quite efficiently, I think. And I mean, when you think of other animals, they're not necessarily all eating like a massive wide variety either. They're finding what's available and they're finding what works for them. And then they're kind of responding to their environment. So we just live in a very unique time frame where our food environment is literally limitless. So we can make a lot of mistakes, just like we can get a lot of opportunities. Try to remind me when we're done here to ask you for that study so I can, so I can look at that. That's interesting. <clears throat> Um, yeah, he's got some good stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to go through it. Um, okay, so this brings me to the next question that I have, and I think this probably will be the last big question that I have. I have a bunch of little questions that I want to ask you guys that are kind of quick, like 30-second answers, but the last one that's a good topic conversation. Uh, you talk about positives, you talk about negatives, and if the positives outweigh the negatives. So I was curious to know, um, and I'd like to answer this as well after both of you answer, but do you eat this way for the performance benefits or the health benefits? 
And let me like follow up with that by saying, if you notice that your performance started to suffer, would you change how you eat to accompany that? Or does the lifestyle, does the health benefits, the, the, all the positives that you feel is enough to keep you eating this way and not care as much about the performance benefits? I'll, I'll go first on this one. Uh, both. <laughs> um, I think about health and I think about, I mean, I'm, I'm the old dude here. Um, I'm thinking about longevity for sure. Um, and, and so that's on my radar, longevity. Uh, so I'm thinking about the health benefits long-term. Um, you know, I've done a little experiment on my, my uh, uh, father who passed away this last year and he with a long battle of diabetes and uh, type two diabetes and uh, heart disease and um, had a bunch of comorbidities. Um, and uh, I, after he'd had a heart attack and a stroke and was in a wheelchair, he ate for a month, he ate kind of my diet. And um, we saw huge health improvements, even after a, a, someone who has a metabolic, damaged metabolically, he was on uh, uh, kidney dialysis three times a week. And after one, one day on the meals, his blood sugar was normal and normal range. And it never was even on a, on a, uh, American Diabetics Association's recommended macros. He, his blood sugar was always 160 to 200 and under 120 is normal. So after one meal, he's 107, two meals, he was 94, his blood sugar. And then he never went over hundred the week I was there to teach him how to do it. And then to his benefit, he did it for about another month and he lost 20 pounds. He had to back off on his oral insulin. You know, that he was taking, he takes like nine, he was taking nine medications at the time. Um, and, and, and in a wheelchair, like I said, and going to kidney dialysis three times a week where they took his weight, his blood sugar, his heart, you know, checked all his vitals. So he was constantly dealing with that. And, um, the, the nurses were like, what are you doing? How do you getting your blood sugars like normal every day? And it's never normal. And, and so like, I, that was early in my, in my kind of, um, walk lifestyle change in 2016 when I did that. And that really got my attention from a health perspective. I was like, huh, I've got, I've got, you know, heart disease on both sides of my family, you know, both, you know, if you look at your family history and they always talk about your family history um, and, and on both sides, but, but I, and I, and I was really like, you know, there's always that back thing in the back of your head, like, huh, I'm like predisposed to this kind of stuff. I, I should be careful. And so um, that really got my attention was him, his health markers improving really, really, really quickly. Um, and so, you know, that made me like, okay, well, I think I'm on the right path here. Um, and so I think that's, that's an important one. And um, so the longevity and performance, uh, you know, I've just noticed a huge, like I've, we've already talked about, you know, inflammation, um, recoveries, benefits, good. Um, once you learn how to use the carbohydrates, not be carb phobic, the pop, is there and you know that dual fuel source you're kind of more bonk proof like i don't have any major bonks anymore just because i can burn some fat and go into like you know granny gear and be a diesel motor for a little bit until i get some more calories in me um so like that kind of stuff i found that i don't really have haven't had any major bonks since i did this so i think from a performance standpoint there's there's something on it's on my radar from performance as well um, but in a hypothetical world, Jeff, say the performance 
shifts and you're not doing as good, does the health benefits outweigh the performance in your eyes? And would you stick eating this way? Uh, I'd probably, I have to be honest, I'm really into performance too. So, um, you know, an honest answer to that would be, I'd probably be playing around with a hybrid approach for to help with a performance. Luckily, I don't see that with this. So, um, I mean, unless you want to call it like strict keto, like I wouldn't say anyone should be strict keto, right? For long-term, unless you're trying to manage a metabolic issue, like you just shouldn't because we didn't do that. Our ancestral background is not that way either. We ate seasonally. So there's times when our carbs were higher. So there is a, there is a arguably a benefit to having carbs in a higher, higher macros at times, you know, strategically, you know, during the season or during the year or during the week when you're training, like there, you know, like we talked about earlier. So I won't go back into that, but I think that's something to think about as you ponder like our history on this planet. Good, good answer. I like that. <clears throat> Zach. Yeah, it's a cool question. I like hypotheticals. So <laughs> I would say, uh, I would say if, if, if I saw a performance dip, I would definitely change something because I think if I, just like I found this way of eating to help with performance and just my general way of life feeling better, I feel like I could probably find another approach that would yield good results. Um, but would maybe be less harsh on, on, uh, on performance if, if that had happened. Um, but like Jeff said, thankfully I've been, you know, smooth sailing for the most part with this approach personally, from a health standpoint, I think, uh, I probably lean a little more to performance than health just because like, I mean, I'm, I'm 35, so I'm not quite old enough yet, in my opinion, to start worrying about that. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, maybe ask me in 15 years and I'll have exactly what Jeff just said. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I think, I mean, I don't want to be like, I guess it probably just depends on like, if we look at like, what are we talking about health wise? If it's like, oh yeah, if you keep eating this way, you're going to be dead in 10 years. Then I think I probably, you know, take the performance dip for the health benefits. But if it's like, you know, you might stretch your life out an extra two to three years on the back end. And we have no idea if you're going to actually like feel as good on whatever diet you do to gain those extra two to three years, then I'm probably not going to, um, not going to change to try to like, you know, hack the system like that, if that kind of makes sense. Can I, can I add one more little quick thing off of what Zach was talking about? I think we, you know, we've already done this. Like we, the, it's not even really a hypothetical because we've all made the mistake like going a little too low carb at times with training and mm -hmm. we had to, we had to adapt that approach a little bit by adding some more carbs back in to get that, some of that pop back in to get that glucose pathway open back up and working well. So like that's naturally happens, you, you know, it, you're not going to keep like on, on a specific path. If you're not feeling great, you're going to be like, I got to figure this out. This isn't working, you know? So naturally we, we, we will adapt um, to finding what works for us um, or, you know, sometimes we'll just muddle through for two years and be like, I'm so flat all the time. And I feel like, crap, <laughs> you know, and then finally yeah. someone will say, Hey, you just need a little more carbs. Oh, great. I eat some fruit. I feel great. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, whatever. Yeah. That's, a, that's a really good point too. Cause like, I mean, when I think of just my experience, I basically spent the first two years I was doing this, just adjusting things before I really felt comfortable with, 
okay, now I know what to do when, and I can guarantee it's going to happen the way I expect it to. So like, yeah. So like if I started noticing some abnormalities, like I did earlier when I switched to low carb, like if my sleeping started to suffer or my energy level started getting weird, I started getting agitated or something like that above what I normally get. <laughs> and then, uh, um, then, then, you know, like those are small little warning signs that I feel like I've always been good at looking for. So when those start to present themselves, that's when I try to steer the ship a little bit. But yeah, there hasn't been too much steering for me outside of just messing around with what makes up the macronutrient ratios the last eight years or so. So that's been kind of the, the interesting thing for me as a, as a curious ultra marathon runner. Yeah. I, I love your guys' answers and it probably seems like a silly question to ask that, but um, I wonder that occasionally. Um, I used to be overweight and as, as Jeff knows, I have a fear sometimes, a lot of times of carbs and, and like developing my eating addiction again. And so I, I always find myself 50-50 where if for some strange reason my performance started to dip, um, I don't know what I would do because like I just, I have this addiction where like if I introduce any kind of car and we talked about this a little bit too Zach we're like if I ate one skittle then I probably would eat a whole bag of skittles within yeah. a few seconds. <laughs> um, so I just have this like personality it's a very addictive personality I'm afraid of falling back into those habits so it's just something I think about a lot so I was curious to know where you guys were but well, Mike, that's the individuality of it too. It's why I think like it gets silly when you have someone give you like an absolutist type of uh, an approach where it's like saying, oh, you need to be eating this way and you need to allow yourself to have that little bit of Skittles and you need to do this. It's like some people maybe, yeah, they do need to do that because that's what kind of keeps them focused and dialed into what they're typically eating. But for you, it's that's just not the case. You know, so like, you know, there are people who can probably eat 15 Skittles and stop and then not touch another piece of candy till the next week. And then there's people like yourself who you eat one Skittle and you're probably three bags in by the next day. <laughs> yep. So, and everyone in everything in between too. So it's like, I think you just got to be honest with yourself. Right. And then, uh, go with, go with what's gonna, what's gonna keep the things, keep things going in the direction you want them to. Well, it's, it's funny. Um, like that night where I texted you about that, um, I actually <laughs> wanted to prove to myself that I could do it. So I did eat one Skittle and it's kind of funny. It was at my mom's house. So ever since then, whenever I go out there, she's like, Hey, I bought some Skittles. You want some Skittles? <laughs> did you buy no. one? Did you buy one? Yeah. <laughs> Mike, you need to get one of those medicine container things and you just put one Skittle in each day. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> That'd be a fun thing to do. <laughs> Cool. So I have a bunch of like quick little bullet point questions to ask you guys just out of curiosity. I know a lot of people would find these questions interesting, but what's your guys' favorite snack right now? Or I guess, do you have a favorite snack? Um, you want me to go first? Um, if you guys didn't think about it, I could go first. <laughs> sure. You're, yeah. you're the Skittle man, so you go first. <laughs> <laughs> so lately I've been digging this um, snack that I do where I'll whip up some heavy whipping cream. And then I'll throw, and I'll also whip it up with some primal kitchen collagen. And anyone that's had their collagen, they have like vanilla, they have chocolate, and then they have snickerdoodle. And if you know anything about primal kitchen, it's all really good ingredients. <clears throat> and so I'll whip up this heavy whipping cream with one of those scoops of collagen, and then I'll add in a couple handfuls of frozen pecans. And it really just like 
is such a good satiating snack. It has like two grams of carbs and just really good clean ingredients. So that's kind of been my go-to snack lately. Zach, what about you? Awesome. Yeah. I thought you, I thought you were going to tell us about your pork rinds, nachos or something like uh, that. <laughs> I've tried those. Those are good, by the way. Yeah. Uh, he turned me on those. Those are pretty solid. I've been like playing around with each one of those ingredients. So I'm just kind of like dancing around, finally putting one of those together. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, it's a good question. You know, typically I like um, salty, savory stuff. So I get so much of that in my diet. I think when I'm looking to get just a, something a little different, then all there's this uh, company called Perfect Keto and they make these like nut butter pouches that have like, a variety of different kind of flavor profiles. So it just, it basically just tastes like peanut butter and jelly would, if you would just take peanut butter and jelly and mix it together, but it's, it's, uh, you know, low carb based. So I can't remember what they use to sweeten it, but it, it tastes kind of like they've got one that's uh snickerdoodle one. That's, uh, was it, I think it's chocolate, chocolate, strawberry or something like that. So like, those are kind of what I've been going to is, and they're in these little like pouches. So like, I can just go there and like take a little squeeze of it and then I'm good to go. <laughs> I have, I have two. One is I am a sucker for dark chocolate. So Lily's, the Lily's brand dark chocolate, because they use stevia as a sweetener. So you're not really messing with blood sugar. Again, come back to the insulin blood sugar thing. Um, so like, so I, so I'll have those, you know, a little bit on the weekends or something with my wife. If we're like, we, we keep a little in the back of the refrigerator and so we'll have like you know three or four squares each uh, out of the bar and then like it'll come out after the kids are in bed and be like hey you know want that and and uh the zevia sodas so oh, yeah you know mm -hmm. i grew up on doritos and captain crunch and in the midwest you know doritos captain crunch and coke we always had a two liter like multiple two liter bottles of coke so you know there's a there's there's a there's something emotional about like that flavor of a soda and so, and the bubbly and all that. So like I've been getting the Zevia sodas and I'll have one of those on the week, you know, for special occasions or with my wife, we'll get like a cola out, you know, and a dark piece of dark chocolate. Um, so that, that's one. And the, uh, so that's kind of a combo. And then the other is um, uh, I do a thing called a fat parfait um, a couple few days, few evenings a week after dinner for like dessert. And so that's, like equal scoop of either trail butter or almond butter. Um, if it's straight almond butter, then I add some kind of like, you know, urethritol or zevia or I mean stevia sweetener or something like that a little bit just to sweeten it a little bit. Um, um, but if I use trail butter, I just use whatever the sweetener like maple syrup or whatever is used in trail butter. A scoop of that and a scoop of coconut oil, whip it together into like kind of a pudding consistency and then add some berries, a little bit, a little hand, half a handful of berries on top, a little heavy whipping cream or coconut milk, one or the other, and just kind of drizzle it on top, a little cinnamon, and then eat it as like kind of a fruit pudding. Oh man, it's good. Um, it's so good. Uh, so that's another one I'll do as like a little like, you know, dessert after dinner. Um, that's another snack thing I really, really, really dig. Have you guys blended up heavy whipping cream before and added stevia to it? Because it's basically, yes. it's a cool whip then. Yeah, it makes it like cool whip. I, yeah, mm -hmm. my wife makes that a lot for like birthdays for my kids because she'll do a lot of like almond flour based kind of paleo baked stuff for like birthdays and, and special occasions and stuff or for treats every once in a while. And 
I will say my daughter, because Lily's Chocolate makes, Lily's brand with that stevia sweetener makes a chocolate chip, a dark chocolate chip. Oh, yeah. And so my, my daughter's gotten, who's 15, has gotten really good at making paleo chocolate chip cookies every once in a while. And they don't last very long in this house either, like <laughs> white rice. They don't last very long if, so, if she makes one of those she has to like she hides them up in the cabinets like one or two <laughs> so she knows where they are so if everybody eats them all real quick the boys eat them you know, or i eat them you know especially if i've trained hard i'm like oh you made cookies give me some <laughs> and we get raw milk so i'll like i'll get out a glass of milk and dip those in milk you know Ooh, nice. um final question and it's a similar question and it has probably you, we could probably go down a rabbit hole with this question because I know it probably varies. Uh, but in a similar fashion, what's your, do you guys have a go-to during race fuel that you like? During a race, you said? Yeah, during a race. Is there something, like, I'm sure there's a lot of things that you do, but is there like one thing that usually never fails you? Yeah, you know, I like to kind of have, I like to go back and forth between like polarizing flavors. So like I'll start out with something liquid and slightly sweeter, which is I'll use in this product called S Fuels Race Plus, just mix it in with your water. And then I'll tr contrast that with something more solid or like a little, maybe a little crunchier or a little more salty. So like a potato dipped in salt, potato chips, uh, that sort of stuff cool. kind of go-tos for me. Yeah. Uh, mine's uh, salted plantain chips as a real food, easy to carry, light, you know, shelf stable, room temperature, easy to put in a Ziploc, you know, and carry on adventures. Um, you know, that one, if I'm on big, like adventure runs where I'm not racing, I'll bring uh, trail butter or mirror energy gels, the, the slow burning ones that are, you know, like mm -hmm. the almond, like they have like, they have like a, a a lemon cashew and they have like a cacao almond um i'll use those and like put them on like an hors d'oeuvre and um when we're taking breaks and stuff and they're in the training run so that's one that's kind of a fun one i like to have um and then i'll use a lot of i've really this year I, i've partnered with um i've been with goo forever and um i did roctane for years and years as my kind of baseline liquid calorie during races um that would be my kind of go-to baseline um, a, a non-caffeinated, uh, uh, you know, a, a light calorie drink. Um, but I'm now I'm with mirror energy and I've been playing around cause it's real food, you know, it's like four to six ingredients. So, mm -hmm. and real food ingredients. So I've been playing around with their gels more and using that as a baseline to have just gels, real gels, real food gels. Um, and then playing with watering them down and using them in a bottle, like where you just put the whole gel in the bottle and add water to it. And then it just, then you're just, you know, hundred calories in a bottle and you're kind of slowly drinking that liquid. Um, and so that's a, that's been kind of like my newest change, I guess, uh, in the last three or four I've, months. I've got to add one thing since Jeff is here. And it just reminded me that at Havelina hundred this year, when Nicole was racing it and I was pacing her and we got on, it's a five loop course, about 20 miles each. And we get, we're going around the last loop. We're about at the first aid station, four miles in. And she had like kind of hit her quota on sweet tasting stuff. So she's like, I just can't, can't stomach any more of that. And she saw like avocados on the table 
And she's like, should I have an avocado? I'm like, yes, Jeff did that at Hard Rock. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> it works. It, yeah, she loved it. She, it. she she had that at that aid station and it worked so well. She had it again at the next one. So it was. Yeah, especially it was if it's got a little salt, like sea mm-hmm. salt on it or salted. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. And and for those out there looking for other foods in the race, like use if your crew has like a cooler or something, if you do like a Tupperware and, and mush up, like make, make like a, what I call a like lazy man's uh, guacamole. So basically what you do is just mash up some avocado, squeeze some fresh lemon on it. That'll be like a preservative to keep it from turning so fast. And then a bunch of sea salt. And you just mix that up and have a spoon and a you know Tupperware lid, like a camp spoon. And if you're at a cr- crew spot, and your crew has that in a cooler, just a couple spoonfuls of avocado, like guacamole. It tastes so good. Um, and, you know, there's fat. It's like, oh, lots of salt, a little bit of lemon. So you get some vitamin C. It's like a good, it's a good, like, kind of crew food, like at a stop. I think I'll, <clears throat> I'll add what I do as well, just because it shows how different all of us are. Um, I, I tend to lean towards the fruit side of things. I, I do really well with fruit. So I have freeze-dried fruit that I carry with me in my bag. Um, <clears throat> I do a lot of like 100% pure organic apple juice that I'll carry with me in my bottles just because like liquids, like sports liquids just gives me that that's that weird stomach feeling. Like I can't handle all the extra stuff that's in it. So just pure juice really works for me. Um, and in terms of like savory and salty, like either a, a small bag of Jackson Honest potato chips I'll carry with me. Um, or if I have a crew that has a cooler, I'm really digging like um, the deli turkey meat that like the boar's head that doesn't have a bunch of added crap into it. Just like thin sliced turkey meats, like those things do absolute wonders for me. Well, I've got one for you. This is a Rock Horton special. <laughs> Rock Horton out there. He gave me the- so I used to do these all the time. He called them turkey sliders. And you do, you do, you slice a little slice of avocado and you roll turkey meat, lunch meat around it, just one piece around it, and you just eat that. So you have a bunch of them pre-rolled in like containers and your crew would have them. And so then they would pop it out and you just take a slider and like, boom, with a, it has just a little slice. And you, can, you could add sea salt to it if you wanted and really get fancy if you wanted to. But that's a really good, actually a really good like AIDS or a crew food for hundreds, especially hundreds and two hundreds. Cody Draper, um, a, a person that both Jeff Browning and I know, that's um, that's kind of a big thing that he does too. So I wonder if he learned that from Rock or not. <laughs> I don't know. It's been passed around in the ultra community for years and years, but I don't know if it's originally Rocks. It might be someone else's. So I'm not, I'll give credit where credit due. If it, if it wasn't Rocks, I'm sorry that if I gave Rock credit, but um, it's, it's been one of those, like, you know, things passed down and passed down and passed down in the ultra running community. Cool. Well, cool guys. I think this is a good place to stop. We, um, we went well over an hour. <laughs> um, it's getting your content, Mike. Get yeah, your content. content. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'll, I'll just say this might've been somewhat selfish because I, I just like having you guys answer questions that I have. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. Oh, now we know why you had us on. <laughs> we'll, we'll, send, we'll send a bill to you after this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Check an invoice in the mail. <laughs> no, I, I really appreciate it, guys. It's fun talking with you. And I know there's a lot of people out there that have these questions, and it's going to be super helpful for them. Um, I, at the end of the show, like, you know, I've had you guys both on before, so I'll, I'll just re share your websites, your Instagram, and Facebook, and all that. So, 
get some followers and hopefully some coaching clients, assuming that you guys are taking on coaching clients right now. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You yep, both I am. Yeah, yeah. Always, always. I usually have a, a slot or two available most of the time. Sometimes it gets pretty busy around this time of the year, um, going into like after lotteries and stuff like that. But, um, I would encourage people to reach out first and inquire. Um, but yeah, I'm stoked to be coming to Flagstaff soon. We already talked about that. So we'll leave, we'll leave that little teaser for everyone. I'm not going to be in the North anymore. I'll be in the South. <laughs> the, the, all of Arizona will welcome you, Jeff. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to sun and fun. Yeah. Are you going to be a Cocodino cow cowboy? I don't know. I, I don't know if they're accepting applications. So. <laughs> You could um, be the cow dad, man. I know, dude. I'm like, I'd be the old cowpoke, man. I'm like, I go way back, dude. Oh yeah. <laughs> I actually used we used to actually own horses, so I grew up on a farm. I think I'm yeah. a little more of a cowboy probably than most of the cowboys. So if you don't get the invite, no one has a chance at this point. <laughs> right? They might have capped it. I don't know. They might their group might be like not accepting applications. So you never know. <laughs> Whatever. I I mean, I'm just gonna come down and train and have fun. So. Uh, I'm looking forward awesome. to it. Well, cool, guys. Thanks. Really appreciate it. Um, thanks for coming on the show again, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anytime, Mike. And that is a wrap of the One Step Above podcast for today. Thank you for listening. I truly enjoyed talking with Jeff and Zach. I love talking about this. I know a lot of you love listening to this. It's truly interesting. Just a reminder, all three of us do coaching. So if you are interested in taking a low carb approach, just reach out to us. We're here to help. Uh, we recognize that it's not for everybody, but if you're interested, just reach out. So thanks again for listening. I'll catch you next time.